0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ and His power and love even now as you listen. It's good to see
1: everybody this morning, for those of y'all in person. And we also want to give a warm welcome to everybody that is watching with us from home through our Facebook live stream or through our website uh, is really a gift and a privilege that we can truly be gathered together from many different places, and uh, we're thankful for that opportunity. If you got a Bible this morning, I would ask that you would open it up. We're going to be in the second chapter of Acts, and we're going to be beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 13 this morning. You know, it's interesting, as we begin today, uh, I just want to pay reference to what we celebrated last week, that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is on the throne. Pastor Thurman shared with us last week from Acts chapter 1 about the ascension of Christ and how timely was that, especially in the week that we have just gone through. As Josh was mentioning earlier, there is been much unrest, not only in our country, but around the world in these last several months, whether it be with the virus or whether it be what our country has experienced even in the last few days, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of crying out, there's violence, there's rioting, there's injustices, and it's a reminder to us how great news is It is that Jesus is on the throne. He is on the throne this morning. And I just want to challenge us this morning as we begin. Are we living as if Jesus was on the throne? Is our life displaying and our heart displaying the fact that our Jesus is on the throne? For we have to seek to be the hands and feet of Christ, the salt and the light. And it's not an option for us to be silent. May we make an impact in this time where there is such need. Acts chapter 2 is very timely this morning as well as we talk about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. We're going to begin with verse 1, and we are going to go down through verse 13 this morning. Join with me. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Eliamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Livia belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that you have given us to gather together here. Lord, we do count that as a privilege. Lord, we thank you for your word, which your word is truth. Thank you that we have an opportunity to dig into it this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to sing songs of praise to your name. We pray that that was a sweet aroma to you. Lord, we thank you that uh, you are on the throne. We find great joy in that. And Lord, we thank you as we will recognize this morning that the pouring out of your Holy Spirit and the presence of your Holy Spirit within the life of believers. Lord, move us, work within us and challenge us this morning, I pray. We pray these things in your name, amen. As we begin this morning, I was thinking this past week of uh, back in my high school days and even some of my early college days, um, just like any young guy, I, I found ways to make money and that often involved yard work. Did a lot of grass cutting and I did a whole lot of weed pulling. I became pretty good at pulling weeds. Uh, and it would take up many of my summer days as I would make money back in those days. But in this one account I was thinking of this week, there's a gentleman I was working for, and he was a family friend of ours, and, and we were going through, and he mapped out, he said, here's all the areas I need you to kind of clean out for me, and there was weeds surrounding it all. And, and I said, okay, and it was quite the task, and I worked hard at it, and worked hard, and was pulling and yanking weeds, and tossing them to the side, and I thought I had reached a point of completion, and I went to this gentleman, and I said, all right, uh, I've finished up, uh, you can go ahead and take a look, and I remember he kind of walked around and looked at the yard and looked at the flower beds, and he came to one flower bed, and he stopped, and he looked, and I was like, oh no, something doesn't seem right here. He said, what happened to my cantaloupe? And I said, uh, what cantaloupe? <laughs> and he said, I have my cantaloupe that was planted right here. Obviously, I had yanked those cantaloupe plants out of the ground and thrown them into the brush pile, and uh, I ruined his, ruined his cantaloupe crop. I felt pretty bad about that. Uh, but it was, it was definitely something that I can laugh over, over now. I ask you, church, what's our aim this morning? You know, I look back to that account of me pulling weeds. I did not have much of an aim. I didn't really have much of a, a focus. I was kind of mindlessly adrift, like you know how it can be, just kind of, I knew it was a big project, and I wanted to get done, and I was pulling things. And, but my aimless approach, my mindless approach, caused me to remove something that was truly fruit and so I ask, what's the aim for us as the church this morning? Are we, are we serious about living out even what we just sang about let your kingdom come? Are we serious about that? Or could it be this morning that for some of us, and this, this can regularly be the case, are we mindlessly drifting through the motions? You know, if we're not careful, we can fall victim to doing church without understanding what truly equips us to be the church, what the true fruit is. And as we're going to see this morning, as we look, you can see um, we're going to be looking at the Spirit-driven movement. And our big point this morning if, is, is this, is the Spirit equips and drives the life of the believer to faithful kingdom building. The Spirit equips and drives the life of the believer to faithful kingdom building. You know, my desire for us and my desire within my own life is that as we approach day-to-day life, as we approach ministry, as we approach our gathering together here as a church, that our ministry would not just be toil, that our, that our gathering would not just be attendance, but that we would be serious about a kingdom-building mindset. And that is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at Acts chapter 2 this morning, we're going to find this truth. We're going to find the fact that as we look at this text, we're going to see the promised Holy Spirit poured out upon those early believers. We're going to see that that moved those believers to faithful fellowship, intentional movement, bold proclamation, and soul transformation. We need to begin to understand, even as we look at this this morning, the, the necessity the pre- and the presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit within the life of the believer. So as we look at this, this text, there's going to be a few points that we're going to make this morning. You'll notice these early points. Uh, there will be a point on the screen. I encourage you to have your Bible open to Acts chapter 2 and follow along with me in these verses as we go through them. In the first four verses, I'm going to have some supplemental texts that I'll share with you on our slides Um, That will help keep you from having to turn, but so much. Um, Here's where I would like to begin this morning, is the fact that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit fills the void. And before we dive in too deep, I think there's some things that need to be clarified. I think there's some things that need to be understood. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not just a feeling. It's not just an expression. It's not just an experience. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Here's another thing. The Holy Spirit is not just like a substitute teacher. Somebody that's a little bit lesser than, that's just kind of stepping in for a time. No, the Holy Spirit is the fullness of God. So as we approach the Holy Spirit, we don't want to minimize the Holy Spirit. The person of the Spirit is powerful. And as those of us in here and those of us watching today, if we claim to follow Christ, we want the power of the Spirit to be the driving force of our life. So the first thing we can see here as we begin is is we want to understand as we look at verse 1 that there's uh, patient obedience present here and a promise that's fulfilled. You know, if we look back to, to last week as, as Pastor shared from Acts chapter 1, we can, we can see that Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, gave instruction to these early believers. Here's what he said. He said in Acts 1, 4 through 5, and, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. How neat it is to see of the faithfulness of these early believers. They waited upon the Lord. They waited on the Lord. We see that here in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2 where it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And as we're going to see in the following verses, we're going to see the, the Spirit is poured out upon Their lives. We think about Pentecost. You may wonder, well, what is the significance of this occurring around Pentecost? Pentecost was held 50 days after the Passover celebration. There's significance in this, and that the Holy Spirit's pouring out here was during a time that was marked by pilgrimage and by harvest. As we look here at at, at Pentecost and even these other gatherings that were celebrated by the Jewish people, it's really neat to stop and ponder the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the true Passover lamb. He's the one that laid his life down for us in sacrifice. We see that in the celebration of the first fruits, he is the first fruits from the grave. We see here with, with Pentecost as the Holy Spirit is, is poured out we see this promise of a, of a greater harvest. It's going to show out. If you get time today, I'd encourage you to read through the rest of, of Acts chapter 2. You're going to see Peter's going to give this sermon of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and there's going to be 3,000 people that it says, come to faith in Christ. And if you go to the end of the chapter, even Acts 2, 47, you see it says that people were adding to their number day by day that were being, that were being saved. We see this marked by a true harvest, that they were waiting together, that there was a a promise that was ultimately fulfilled. You know, as we continue on here, I think it's important for us to even understand what is the necessity of the Spirit. Why did the Spirit need to come? Couldn't God have just said, well, here's what I've called you to do. We know the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Go do that. I'll see you on the other side. No, we see that there is this necessity of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is where the power holds. We even think here about a first verse for us to look at would be from the book of John verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 16 through 17, which says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We see here the power of the Spirit in equipping, equipping the life of the believer, but also in indwelling, indwelling, being with us, dwelling the life of the believer. A few other verses, these will not be referenced on the slides, but I think also of 1 Corinthians twelve three that says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit process that simple truth for a second. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot even say truly that Jesus is Lord. We're dependent upon his power. I even think about 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22, which says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. We see the Holy Spirit as the seal and the guarantee of our faith. I think as well, you know, we mentioned the Great Commission, what God has called believers to do. We're not, when we come to Christ, we're not just supposed to sit around and wait. We're called to be active and go out and make disciples. It says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always. To the end of the age. It's from Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20, the Great Commission. I, I love that as I process through that. And I understand that that's our call. If we claim to follow Christ, we're to be out making disciples in his name. But the awesome part of that verse is it says at the end in verse 20, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The promise of the presence of the Spirit of God. With us. You know, it's also important for us to think about, well, what is the nature of this outpouring here? So we see in verse 1 of Acts chapter 2 that the believers, they waited, they waited upon God, but now we're going to see as they waited, we see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon their life. Verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty, rush, mighty rushing wind. I think it's important for us to, to stop even at that word, suddenly. Yes, these believers were waiting upon the Lord. They were being obedient to his command. But it was nothing of their own volition that brought the Spirit upon them. The Spirit comes and goes as he pleases. So what we see here, it says it happened. This pouring out of the Spirit it happened suddenly. And as it happened suddenly, we're, there, was, there was markings that happened. There was, there was true impact that occurred. We see it, it says there in chapter Uh, 2 verse 2, it says, And the Spirit came from heaven, this was not something of, of fleshly earth, from heaven with the sound like a mighty rushing wind. This is not the only time, if you think about it, within Scripture, that we see the Spirit mentioned in regards to the wind. You know, we can think, for example, even in regards to um, the book of Ezekiel in chapter 37 where the Spirit of God is breathed upon the dry bones and we see life come into them. We think about John chapter 3 verse 8 with Jesus and Nicodemus. John 3 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where, where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Think about this, church, for as the wind, the Spirit moves to and fro. As the Lord pleases. For as the wind, the Spirit moves to and fro as the Lord pleases. So as the Spirit rushed upon the room, it was immediately known. There was an audible sense. Don't think about uh, an actual wind. Think about the power of God. We can view these things in a lot of ways, perhaps metaphorically. As we think about that, the power of God, it was felt. They understood it. It overcame them. And we see it came like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house to where they were sitting. We look in verse 3, it says, uh, not only was this an audible sense, but we also get a visible sense spilling out of the believers. It says in verse 3, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. You know, we can even think this morning about Luke three sixteen. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Even John, as he's looking, looking forward, he says, there's a time coming where this Holy Spirit baptism is going to happen. We see him speak of fire. And what do we see here in Acts chapter 2? We see it, the presence of this fire coming about. As it says in verse 3, it was divided tongues. Think of it more so in being distributed. This power of God began to, to flow like a, like a wildfire across that room. You can think of something that may have started out like an ember and then all of a sudden it explodes and we see it spread to all these people and it's, it's distributed out. And what happened is, is that this, this Holy Spirit power, he rested upon them. As we see in verse 3, the Spirit equipped them. You look in verse 4, it says, And they were all filled. We see this promise of God fulfilled and that the filling of the Holy Spirit had occurred. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I think it's important for us to to stop there and and understand this as well. This Spirit filling that happened right here in these verses, this was a once-for-all filling for these people, for these early believers. There was not going to be a need for them to continue to have to get this kind of filling as they went on through life. This was a once for all filling. The Holy Spirit consuming like a wildfire their life and taking control of their very being. Now don't get me wrong, there would be Further instances, as we continue to look through Scripture, where we would see other special anointings that would happen, where the spirit would show itself in a ver- would show himself in a various uh, a variety of ways. That would happen. But as we look here, this was a, a permanent filling. Now the interesting thing is is, yes, it, it marked them. Yes, they were moved by this. Um, but I think a good way to picture it is is when this filling happened, yes, they were filled to the core. The question, though, really becomes, when we think about it, well, what was going to come from this? We see the nature of the outpouring. It, this outpouring was extreme, extremely powerful. We see it marked by the, the sound of rushing wind, and we see it marked by the visible marker of, of, of fire. We see them beginning, as we're going to see in the next few verses, speaking in, in tongue of languages that they had never known, and these people of these other languages beginning to understand them as they praise God. A powerful picture. But the question is, is when they were consumed, what happened next? We're going to see that when they were consumed, it was going to spill over into the streets. But for us, church, we need to stop there for a second. We need to think about, is the Holy Spirit truly the driving force in my life? Is the Holy Spirit the one that I understand truly empowers me? Am I displaying the obedience? Am I displaying the readiness in the movement that we see with these early believers? You know, church, perhaps we've become so consumed of flesh that we've lost sight of the power of the Spirit. Have we lost sight of prayerful expectation? I picture back to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, where they're all gathered together in that house, I picture them there together as one, likely seeking the Lord, praying, asking for his arrival. Do we have that yearning? Do we have that desire? Do we understand if we claim to follow Christ that the power of God indwells us? I think about 2 Corinthians in in chapter 6, verse 12 through 13, as Paul is speaking here. He says, you're not restricted by us, but you're restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Widen your hearts also. Here's the thing as we cling to flesh, we widen that void, but as we live by the Spirit, we put to death the works of the flesh. Many of us are not in this movement phase because we're too consumed with the vanities of this world, fleshly pursuits. As Paul says here, we must widen our hearts. And what happens when we widen our hearts? The Spirit begins to flow through us like a river. Picture this this morning. The Spirit fills us if we claim to be followers of Christ this morning. Yes, the Spirit fills us, but the Spirit is not just meant to be cooped up in us. He's meant to flow through us. But here's the thing. We can't quench the Spirit. Church, are we quenching the Spirit this morning? Have we gotten to a point where we've probably become so distracted and so consumed in our comforts and our vanities that it's just a trickle? Or do we see him like a mighty rushing river flowing through us? Don't get me wrong, we don't have the power to to stop or go, the Holy Spirit, don't think of it that way, but we should desire for the Spirit to be moving and flowing through us. We see it here with these people this was, this was occurring. You know, as we continue on here, the second point is this. The Spirit breaks barriers. We see the Spirit fills this void, a, fo- a void that's present due to the, the sinful nature of man and understanding that we're not able in our own strength to obey the Father. We're not able in our own strength to fulfill His commands. We're not able in our own strength to truly worship Him. We are dependent upon the Holy person of the Holy Spirit. And here's the awesome thing is, is once we become understanding of this fact of the power of the Spirit that lives within, we see the Spirit begin to break these barriers. Draw your attention to verse 5 through 8. We see that this power began to spread out. As the, the Holy Spirit rushed upon them in that room, they didn't stay in that room. They didn't stay in that house. This power began to spread out into the streets. They didn't remain sitting on their hands. They didn't remain twiddling their thumbs. They didn't just go back to, to normal. They didn't sit there and question, "Was well, this really what I should do? They acted upon the movement in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says it there in, in verse 5. We see there were, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound of At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Yet again, I think it's important to draw attention to the significance of this outpouring happening at Pentecost. This was a harvest gathering where we see people would pilgrimage from all over the known world for this event, for this gathering. It was a marking of harvest and the harvest that was preparing to happen here in Acts 2, as we look onward even into after Peter's sermon or even at the end of chapter 2 where we look at the nature of the fellowship of the believers, it led to people coming to know Christ. People came to know Christ through this power that was beginning to flow through the believers. They were coming from, from all over and as these people were out there in the streets from these other lands, we see that they began to hear these Galilean men speak in tongue that sounded like themselves. They said, what in the world? What is happening here? I don't, I don't quite understand what's going on. They were being moved by. As we're going to see in a moment, they were somewhat even bewildered by, by what, was, what was happening right before their eyes. They were amazed, as it says in, in, in verse 7. They couldn't figure out this power that was spreading amidst them. It didn't remain in the house. It didn't remain, this didn't remain cooped up. The power of the Holy Spirit spread out and, flew in, and spread into the streets. The next point is this, is kind of we, we move forward here and we even begin to think about language barriers that begin to be broken down and we begin to think about this message for all. Um, is, is the fact that this is not a stagnant movement. When the Spirit came upon them, they did not remain the same. They did not remain still. We see that it brought out um, passionate, um, forward progress. As you look here, I think it's, it's interesting to, to understand the fact that in our lives, what many times can happen is we can begin to, as mentioned previously, quench the Spirit. We sense God beginning to direct us in a certain way and then all of a sudden maybe we build up fear, perhaps excuses begin to come to the table and we start thinking, well I I don't know if I'm really able to do this. I know I should share Christ with this person but I'm, I'm a little afraid of what the result may be. I know that obedience is necessary but I don't know how this will truly shake out for me. You know, as we think about this, the fact that the spirit tears down these barriers. for us, as we look at this, we have to be surrendered to his lead. We have to be surrendered to his movement. We can't allow these barriers to prevent us from making an impact for his great name. The final point is this, is that we find here that the spirit moves. The spirit moves. As it goes on here in verse 12 through 13, we see that these people were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? As I was studying this week, I, I think it's interesting overlap here. We see a number of people groups mission here, a number of nations. One, it's significant that these, all these nations would be present here at Pentecost as the Spirit pours out because that's a picture of the mission that we are still on today. We have a message that is meant for all people and all nations, And we see it here occurring at Pentecost. But also to think about these people from these other nations suddenly beginning to understand the words that these Galilean men were speaking in their own tongue. Kind of reminds you back to Babel. We think about in Babel where due to the people's sins all the languages were confused. Now obviously this is not a perfect reversal of of Babel by any means but this is a picture of what the New Jerusalem is going to look like where we all will be of one voice. And what will that one bo- voice be singing praise of? That one voice will be singing praise of God the Father. And so as these people were hearing this praise, as they were encountering this, they were amazed, they were perplexed. It's interesting as we, we look here that this amazement and this perplexion kind of draws some attention to other texts in the in the Gospels where we see encounters and uh, accounts with Christ. Even the fact of amazement, many of those that experienced the miracle workings of Christ were met with with uh, similar amazement that we see found here within these people of these nations. Even within the perplexion that they were experiencing where they were confused at how to to process through what it truly was that was standing before them. We see a similar uh, perplexion even within the person um, of Herod as he was trying to figure out in the book of Luke, well, who is this Jesus guy? I thought I had gotten rid of John the Baptist and all this movement. Now, who's this Jesus character that I'm trying to figure out? We see that when met with the Holy Spirit, people don't remain the same. It's not just merely passed off. They're brought to a fork in the road. Some of these people we see were brought into such interest that they were preparing to be able to hear the gospel preached from Peter and they would come to faith in Christ. Some of these other people... Met it, as we see in verse 13, they met this with mocking. They said, these people are just full of new wine, they're drunk. Don't pay any mind to them, don't pay any attention. You know, as we think about that this morning, I think there's a few things, even in closing, that we need to kind of process. One is, well, what was the purpose of this speaking in the tongue? What was this purpose of uh, these people from these many nations being able to hear this praise of God from the mouth of these Galilean men. The purpose is really found out in verses 14 down through verse 41 where we see Peter begin to preach and we see these people beginning to get saved. Here's the thing about the movement of the Holy Spirit. This movement of the Holy Spirit is not just about an experience. It's not just based upon a feeling. It's not just something that we try to summon and control at our own at our own whim and you know, the movement of the Holy Spirit is meant for the glory of God and it flows through us as we speak the truth of the gospel. And that's ultimately what we see happening here with these men. A quote that I've really enjoyed over the years and has really made a mark and an impact on me is from the late missionary Jim Elliott who was martyred years ago. And he says this: He says, "Father, make of me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. make me a fork that men must turn one way or another on fa- facing Christ in me." It's a question we need to ask ourselves this morning, church, is, when people encounter us? Are we that fork in the road for them? Where when they encounter Christ in us, are they sensing the power of the Holy Spirit at work? Are we sensitive to the Spirit's directive? Or are we kind of doing like I was doing that day in the, in the garden and just aimlessly and mindlessly drifting through? Because here's what happens. And this is a, I, I would say this is a warning for us all. When we aimlessly and mindlessly drift through life and through our faith walk, we're going to miss out on fruitful opportunities. It's just the case. We're going to miss out on opportunities to make an impact for the kingdom. We want to be that fork in the road for people. In closing here, I think what we've seen today is a recipe for what it looks like to truly be the church and obedient people, sensitive to the movement of the Spirit, boldly proclaiming and glorifying the Lord. Think about this. This movement began by the Spirit, continues by the Spirit, and will be brought to its completion by the Spirit for the glory of God. And the truth is this. The time is short, Church. We think about this that we need to be surrendered to the movement and the power of the Spirit at work within our lives. We need to be understanding of the fact that the harvest is plentiful. There are needs surrounding us all. There are people around each one of us that need to hear the good news of the gospel. Look within the world that we live in right now. We're going through birth pains. People are crying out, people are hungry. We cannot sit on our hands. We cannot be silent. We have to move. We have to be the hands and feet. And why? It's because the time is short. Because we've learned the last few weeks, Christ Jesus ascended to be on the throne. We've learned this week that he has given us the power of his Holy Spirit. But here's what's next. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back today. And the question for us is, is are we ready? And are we preparing other people for that moment? I uh, love this from the song that we sang right before this, Let Your Kingdom Come. And this is what I want our prayer to be today. Give us your strength, O God, and courage to speak. Perform your wondrous deeds through those who are weak. Lord, use us as you want, whatever the test. By grace, we'll preach your gospel to our dying breath. Church, may that be the case for each one of us. If you're here today or if you're watching today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this power of the Holy Spirit, is not present within your life the good news is is that by the finished work of Christ that power can be present within your life call upon the name of the Lord today and you shall be saved repent of your sins give your life to Christ for those of you in here that would say yes I am a follower of Christ church it's really important for us to really get serious and start thinking have I been quenching the spirit have I been tone deaf to opportunities that he's been giving me Am I mindlessly and aimlessly adrift, just picking my way through life with no aim or purpose? We can't do that. We must be surrendered to his call. Perhaps today is a day where we say, God, widen my heart also. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, widen my heart also. I do not want to be consumed with the flesh. I want to be driven by your Spirit's lead. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to gather here today. Lord, we are so in need. Lord, it's it's interesting to even think and to even ponder, Lord, we talked about your Holy Spirit this morning, but so many of us, even myself included, the power of your Spirit can seem so foreign to us. Lord, remind us of the fact that your spirit is not just an experience. Your spirit is not just a feeling. Your spirit is the power of God. Jesus, help us. Jesus, guide us. Jesus, direct our steps. Jesus, use us to make an impact. Lord, we know that there are needs all around us. We know that the time is growing short and we just don't want to waste it, Lord. Give us a hunger, Lord. Lord, some of us, struggle to even have a hunger and we want a hunger but maybe we don't have it Lord we got to get on our knees we can't just keep living the same way change us change our hearts oh God so that we may make much of you for the glory of your name we lift these things to you today and we pray them in your name amen I want to thank each of you for Coming out today, for those of you in person and also for those of you that have joined us online, uh, what a privilege it is that we have to gather. Also in, encourage you today, um, look for an opportunity this week to be an encouragement to somebody else. Think about a, a fellow brother or sister in our church that you can reach out to this week and be an encourage, encouragement, perhaps somebody that is homebound. Look for an opportunity to reach out. In church, as we go out of here, may we not be mindless, May we not be aimless, but may we be driven with spirit-driven movement, looking for opportunities to make a kingdom impact. That's what we're about. There's no other option. There's no plan B. Let's be serious about that. Ushers are going to come and release you row by row. It's wonderful to see you today. There'll be pastors. Us pastors will be out back to to greet you. And uh, if you have any prayer concerns, please share those with us as well. It's great to see you guys today. Hope to see you next week as well.
0: We get to know God through His Word, through prayer, and through His people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to Him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.